0: Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. If you'd like to turn in your Bibles this morning to Joshua chapter 23. It's funny, when I was preparing the word for for today... I kind of thought we would be backing onto the conference and maybe I should talk about healing and, and the Holy Spirit and moving in the gifts and all that kind of stuff that falls on from yesterday, but I really felt the Lord told me to speak on, on what I'm going to speak on today, so I really feel it's from the Lord and uh, for some, some people here today, and it's kind of got no reference at all to yesterday, so although we could flow from yesterday, I really feel I wanted to go with what the Lord wanted to say. The title of the message today is this, before we get into it, it's Conflicting Alliances. Conflicting Alliances. I really believe that many of us here today have plans and futures with God and things that God said to us in the past, things that we believe we're going to walk into in the future, and some things sometimes hinder us from that from moving into everything God has promised us. Let's read Joshua 23, verse 1. It says, After a long time had passed, and the Lord had given Israel rest from all their enemies around them, Joshua by then, a very old man, summoned all Israel, their elders, leaders, judges, and officials, and said to them, I am very old. Not many people want to admit that, do they? We were out for a meal last night and we were all trying to guess each other's age. And people were getting a bit disappointed by that. They were like, "Well, I'm 10 years younger." Someone said I was 43, I think. I'm 37 by the way. I just want to clarify that. By the way, don't play that game. But Joshua says I'm very old. He gets his leaders, he gets the he has a he calls a meeting together and he says to them all, I am very old. You yourselves have seen everything the Lord your God has done to all these nations for your sake. It was the Lord your God who fought for you. Remember how I have allotted as an inheritance for your tribes all the land of the nations that remain. The nations I conquered between the Jordan and the Mediterranean Sea in the West. The Lord your God himself will push them out for your sake and he will drive them out before you and you will take possession of their land as the Lord your God promised you. Verse 6, be very strong, be careful to obey all that is written in the book of the law of Moses without turning aside to the right or the left. Do not associate with these nations that remain among you. Do not invoke their names of their gods or swear by them. You must not serve them or bow down to them, but you are to hold fast to the Lord your God as you have until now. Verse 12, but if you turn away and ally yourselves with the survivors of these nations that remain among you and you intermarry with them and associate with them, then you may be sure that the Lord your God will no longer drive out these nations before you. In other words, he'll break the promise he'll, that he said. Instead, they will become snares and traps for you, whips on your backs and thorns in your eyes until you perish from this good land which the Lord your God has given you. This here, as I just said a minute ago, is... A point where Joshua calls what I'd call a crisis meeting is, we've had a few of those recently, we pulled the trustees together, we have Christ meetings and we're trying to grab everyone together about projects and stuff. But he pulls everyone together, he says he pulls the elders, the leaders, the officials all together to effectively say to them, tell them first of all that he's old and secondly to give them some real instructions about their future. Now I want to say today that the reason I entitled this conflicting alliances is because I believe today that there are people here may be, you might associate with this in your heart now. That God has given you a promise, a promised land, and many people say that we hear it preached a lot. That when are we going to get to the promised land? When are we going to get to the destiny or the future or the very thing that God's called us into? Steve said it this morning that as we went around the table, he said, "Ask God what to take you into, what He's called you, the plans He has for you." We all know the very scripture, Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. It says, "For I know I have plans for you to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you a hope and." our future. Many of us know those scriptures. We believe in them. We believe that God has something. We know the scriptures that talked about the children of Israel going through all the tests. And here we have Joshua who says that you are in, you've you've almost got the promised land. You've almost got everything that pr- was promised by God. However. There's a few people among you who are not supposed to be around. And in other words, there's certain individuals who you could easily, he says this, ally yourselves to, put yourselves with, associate yourselves with, that could affect you fulfilling all of the promise that God has for you. Okay? So he says... You're about to walk in. Do you realize you can see this? And he says, I'm, I'm old and I'm telling you this because you need to recognize a few things. So important. Big crisis meeting. I could die at any point. I could go. You might not have me around, so I want to tell you some, some real instructions about how you can walk into the promises that God gave you. And I believe that there's certain people... Maybe here today, who God has given you promises in the past, He's given you things that maybe you want to walk into, you want to see come to fruition. You may be right now on the verge of you've seen quite a lot of things, but you're on the verge of not seeing the fulfillment of everything. And you're waiting, and you've still got this kind of, there's just some things you just want to be pushed out the way so that you can live in the fullness of the promise. And I want to talk to you today and I want to pick out some things that Joshua gives in these instructions that may help us in knowing how to wait and to work through until we see the promises come. Amen? So I'm going to go through some of them things right now. You see, I believe that they needed at this point to redefine their alliances. They need to make sure that they define who they're going to be aligned to. I don't know if you remember, Just, I don't follow politics that well, so don't criticise me if I don't know what I'm talking about here. But I remember, uh, even Emma said the other day, she goes, I'm not really sure how the government work, who's in power and things like that. She says, who is it? We, we've just never been as involved in politics. That's just the way we're... We are, and some people might say, well you should know, well we've not been. I know that I watch it more than Emma does, I like watching Question Time, I like watching all these kind of things, but one of the things I realised when the government, the last election that they had, it all seemed to go downhill when they had these two alliances that come together that didn't really, they, they, they were conflicting each other. You could see it on screen, the first day it happened you thought, this is not a future, This can't work. There seems to be too many things that are opposite. And I think it's the same for us today, is that we can easily be aligning ourselves with people and individuals. You might not not be aligning yourselves with the enemy, as it were, in the camp, but you might be aligning yourselves against people in your lives that are affecting you walk into your future. I believe today you need to think about redefining alliances, redefining who you're working with, Redefine who you're alongside. Redefine who you're with so that God can do what he needs to do. Sometimes people can get in the way. Things get in the way of God's plans. And we think it's all part of God's plan. People sometimes are the biggest hindrance to plans. Yes, I said it. Even sometimes Christians... Sometimes your Christian friends can be the ones who hinder you from walking into everything God's called you. What does he say to Peter? He says, get behind me, Satan. Even Peter, he says this because things, people who are close to him could easily distract him, God, from fulfilling the plan. I also believe that even rather than just redefining, some people today may, may need to break off some alliances To get rid of some alliances, and that's people maybe, in your lives, partnerships, things where you may be in relationships, where you need to break these things off, so that God can have his way in your life. Amen? Number one today, is that I believe we need to be allied to God's plan, or plans I said it earlier in Jeremiah 29, 29, 11, It says, "For I know the plans I have for you, not just one plan." I think Lee said this last week. He, he, he touched on it that there's more than one plan. Sometimes, as well, we think if we've missed the boat, we missed the opportunity. We've we've we think, oh, you know, it's, it's too late for me now. It's too late. I missed the opportunity for God. I always believe this that God is like a sat nav, and He reprograms and He takes us back on route again. I love satnas when they do that. Now we've got no idea where we are and they just tell us again, you just need, you just push it in and it tells you to reconfigure and it takes you on another journey. God is bigger than our failures. So he can, he can re, re-look at the plan. Sometimes it might take you a lot longer, but that's your failure, not his. Because you took and missed some opportunities that God may have been calling you into. But I really believe that we need to look at God's plans. You see, Joshua said, he said, look at the plans and promises that God had. I had an inheritance and I'd allotted this, I'd I'd put the, the places which, which you're gonna take. So you need to look back at the plan, first of all. Get the plan in your mind. Okay? Remember the plans. Many of us start forgetting the plans. We start thinking, Well, I can't see that God's doing this, so I'm gonna dismiss the plan and shelve it. And I'm going to start making my own plans to make them work. But God's plan, don't you know that God's plans are always the best. It's just that your timing's never, it's not in your timing. So you need to make sure you grab hold of the plan and re-look at it again and say, God, I'm trusting in what you're doing. I'm trusting in this plan that you have for me. Be allied to God's plans. Proverbs 1921 says, many are the plans of a person's heart, but it's the Lord's will that prevails. Okay? Many are the plans of a man's heart, but it's the Lord's will that prevails. You can have as many plans as you like. You can try to do everything in your own strength, but the Lord's will prevails. Only if you need, if you want it, that is. You can't say, oh I'm just going to sit back, relax, do my own plans and hope God tries to change it. Because it's not comfortable, comfortable for me, I'm going to wait till God changes it. No, what you need to do is say, God, I'm looking, you said these things to me in my heart. Therefore, I'm going to be waiting patiently for you to do them, release them and I'm not going to distract myself and try to make other things work. Be aligned. To the plans that God has. Joshua says this. Guys you got to be ready. There's more land yet. In other words there's more space for you. When I push and drive these people out. The partial land that you're living in. This partial promise should I say. I'm going to give you the fullness. I know it doesn't look like it. But I'm going to shift. And I'm going to realign things. So that you can take the fullness of the land. Okay. The fullness of the promise. Joshua said this, verse 4, he said, remember, I've allotted as an inheritance for your tribes all the land of the nations that remain. He goes on to say in verse 5, however, the Lord your God himself will push them out for your sake. He will drive them out before you and you will take possession of their land as he's promised you. You see, one thing that Joshua says here, he says, look at the plans But he says a key thing. He says, I'm old, get ready, I'm about to go. But he says, get ready for a future living without me. Do you get this? So many of us put our trust in men and women of God. We put our trust in other people and think that the plans of God are all resting on someone else. We put so much emphasis on other people, we forget that it's God who gave the plants. And they looked and Josh says, do you know, get ready guys, cause there's more land to come, but actually get ready cause I'm not gonna be around. It's not about me. Your future's not about me. I know I've been a leader, I know I've led you through this, I know that you've followed me and I'm trying to remind you of the promises, but I wanna tell you, I don't live forever. I'm not around forever. So you've got to remember that the plans are not attached to me. The plans are not attached to me. You've got to fulfill them yourself. To get the fullness, you're going to have to do some work yourself and some decisions yourself. I'm just going to give you some guidance now in our crisis meeting to tell you, get ready because I'm not going to be around. And so many of us, we trot on through life. And we're just putting our trust in individuals. Waiting for the plans to come through individuals. When God says, get ready, because man doesn't live forever. Jeremiah 17, verse 5 to 8. It says this. I've got this in the message. It should come up. It says, cursed is the strong one who depends on mere humans. Who thinks he can make it on muscle alone. And sets God aside as a dead weight. He's like a tumbleweed on the priory, out of touch with the good earth. He lives rootless and aimless in a land where nothing grows. But he says this, verse 7 to 8, But blessed is the man who trusts me, God, the woman who sticks with God. They're like trees planted in Eden, putting down roots near the rivers, never a worry. Through the hottest of summers, never dropping a leaf, serene and calm through droughts, bearing fresh fruit every season. In other words, he says, if you stick with me and you don't trust in man, you don't trust in the strength of man, if you trust in me for your futures, do you realize you plant yourselves by the rivers? You plant yourselves and you will bear fruit and it says you won't worry. It says you won't worry in the droughts, you won't worry in those difficult seasons so much. But so many of us put our trust in men. You see, when we look at our future, when we look ahead, we think, has he got the plans? Did he, Did I get this right? Does God know everything about me, where I'm at and where I'm going? But do you know it says this, that he wrote a book about every single one of you in this room. Do you know that? Do you know that there is a book that is written About every single person that's in this room. If you're saying right now, well it doesn't include me because I'm not a Christian. No, it doesn't say that. The Bible tells us that everyone, there is a book that is written. Psalm 139, it says this, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book. Before one of them came to be. In other words, do you know that Jesus, right now in heaven, there is a book on the bookshelves of the libraries in heaven, and it's got your name on it, and the future is already there for you. Every single person, you've got a a personal book in the library of heaven, Amen? amen? He says it there, he says, all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. God has a storybook for you. He has a future and he has a plan. And you need to come back to it and say, God, I want to come back to the book. I want to come back to where you know everything about me. You know my future. I don't want to trust in men or women. I want to trust in you. If you don't believe that, I'm telling you this morning, I know that there is a book. I know that he has a plan for every single one of you. I know it in my heart. And I want you to know that today, don't think that God doesn't love you and he doesn't have those plans, every single one of you have a destiny with God. But maybe today, relationships, people, draw us away from the plan, draw us away from the book. You know, when I'm with um, the boys, we're going to see, I miss the boys this weekend, they've been away and looking forward to seeing them, but... Sometimes when I'm really tired on a night and I go and sit in their room and I have to read the books to them and Emma says, get, get the book out and read this and, and I read the stories before they go to bed. Jacob, our eldest, he's really good at, at remembering. He always says, dad, we're reading this book and, and when we finish finished a few pages and I can't read long books with him before he goes to bed, so he we say, we'll do four pages and that's enough, but he'd go on forever. He'd stay up all night just reading it. And I said, no, it's four, you have four, four pages. And I always know if I say four pages, he adds two on. So now I've reduced it to two, so I get it to four. (laughs) But he does this, and when we finish the book, he says, "I need to put a bookmark in, Dad, so that tomorrow we remember where we left off." And I'm saying, "Right," and I'm like really shattered, and I'm, you know, we'll leave it, we'll we'll find it tomorrow. It's okay. And he's no, and he then has to go on a full hunt round the room to find something that will mark the book from where we left off, so that tomorrow he can get the card and pull it out and say, "Look, that's where we left off." And I believe that some of us today. are like that. We have walked away from the book that he written for us. You've walked away from the plans that he's got for you. You've given in and you're trusting in in people now to take you on the journey. But do you know this? I believe that God wants a city today that he has put the bookmark right in the spot where you left and he sent you to come back today and to pick up from where you left off because the father puts the bookmark in. And he says to you today, I know that you might be doing other things, but I want to tell you today that I want you to come back because it's not too late for you to come and take off and pick off from pick up from where you left off. I really believe that God wants to bring some people today back to where they left off. There's certain things that not only have people walked away from plans, but they've walked away from God. They have walked away from the promise of salvation. They've walked away from the promise of a future with God. They've walked away from the opportunity of knowing Jesus. But he says it's not too late. It's not too late for you to have it. Just come back. And as a father looks there, he might be a lot better father than I am because I'm, I can't be bothered to find the bookmark. But he's, I believe he's there right now and he's saying, Child, if you'll only come back, why did you leave me then? You, we got so far and you walked away because you got impatient. Many things can detract us away from the plans. Second Corinthians six, verse fourteen to eighteen in the message, it says this: Don't become partners with those who reject God. How can you make a partnership out of right and wrong? That's not past partnership. That's war. Is light best friends with dark? Does Christ go strolling with the devil? Do trust and mistrust hold hands? In other words, there are partnerships that you can walk into. There's people who you can be aligned to. There's people in your life right now that you're thinking in your mind and you know that are drawing you away from that very book and that very promise of what God has called into your life. I want to challenge you today. Be aligned to God's plans. Not your own. Not other people's. Number two today. Be aligned to God's principles. Do you like it? The Ps? Some people don't like three point messages. They say I don't like it. It's too ordered. I say well what you doing? A one point message. Three points. It helps you to remember. Plans. The principles. He says this. Be very strong careful to obey all that is written in the book of the law of Moses, without turning aside to the right or the left. I believe that it's one of the most important things we need to remember is being aligned to God's word. You see, you can have the plans, many people, prophets might have come along in the past and give you some prophecies and give you some plans of the future and said these are the things that's going to happen and some of us anchor onto those more than the word of God. I'm telling you, I meet people. They live off prophecies. They've probably got a book of prophecies that they look through that they've written because people tell, write this down, and it's good to write down what God's telling you. I'm not, I'm not discouraging you not to do that. It should be secondary to the Word of God. First and pr- the primary thing we should always look to. You see, I always believe that the Word of God tells you most things anyway. <laughs> people just can't see it. They want someone else to tell them. They again, they want man to tell them what's going on and what their future is. The word of God tells you. In fact, I always believe there's enough work to do out there. I always say it. You don't need God to tell you much. I preached on it yesterday. I said the fields are ripe to harvest. I'll tell you, the more I do the work, the more I realize there's no time to start asking God. He's already told me what I'm supposed to be doing. Find an avenue to release that. Find an avenue to work through that. The major will of God is to seek the lost and to go and bring people into the kingdom of God. But don't be misaligned to other things. I believe that we can start distracted from the word of God and we start living off prophecies, we start living off looking and reading things on the internet, reading other books, we're reading other things that are trying to guide us. We're saying, God, I know you have this promise, I'm going to start getting some books on this from the bookshop that will try to guide me. And all the time the Bible's getting dusty on the shelf and we're not looking at the Word of God, which is central. Joshua said this, guys, remember, I'm about to go, I'm about to die. I'm telling you, stick to the law of Moses, stick to the principles, the things that he taught. Because if you walk away from these things... If you walk away from these promises and plans and also the law of Moses, if you turn from the right or the left and you don't carry on in this, you could get yourself in dire straits. In other words, big trouble. And I want to, I want to encourage you today, if you've not picked up the word of God, because you're just, so many of us like, we live off the sensationalism of prophets and all these kind of things. If you've just distracted from that, then I want to encourage you today to get back in the word, to start reading the word, Not start and I'll tell you what will happen, you'll read the word, you'll start to pick up, and what will happen is you'll start to pick up back in the book that's in heaven for you, the plans and the promises, it'll all start flooding back into your life, ask God to reveal it so it's active in your heart, and then when you do that, do you know what will happen? You will know the will of God in your life, you'll start to see it, you'll start to see it, and then when a prophet comes along and tells you, he'll confirm what you've already Heard in your heart. The prophet will just confirm it. But some of us want the prophet to tell us first so we don't have to read the Bible. Be aligned to God's principles. We can't rely on these prophetic giftings to direct us through life, they should just complement it. You see, non believers, when I got on the streets and we uh, we pray with people. Some people ask the question, they say, "You believe in a book that is years old, thousands of years old, and you believe in this old leather bound book? You think that your future lies in this, and I get criticized for believing in an old fashioned book And I said to them don 't you realize that the Bible is an active book?" Let me tell you this, we're talking about books today. I've told you about one that's written about all of you, the book of days in Psalm 139. Secondly, I'm going to tell you this, that the book, if you don't already know this, you should if you're Christian, but it talks about the Bible being active. Active word. Okay? Now I want to tell you, there's not any book in the whole wide world that you will ever find and know through anyone if you go to the libraries in Cambridge. Not one person who knows inside out, intellectually, all of the kinds of books there are. You will not find one other book other than the Bible that is active and actually alive. It's nearly that alive it could start jumping around. It's true. The word of God is active. The psalmist said in Psalm 119, he says, Your word is a lamp unto my feet, a light on my path. You see, so many of us start looking at the Word of God like it is just because, just because the Bible's in some old leather and the Bibles look old-fashioned because they've got a leather-bound back with some gold writing and they're not, you know, you've now got them in iPad format. You've got all the different types now. It's, You know, it is modern. But let me tell you, many people think it's archaic and it's old. But what I have in my hand is something that is alive. It's alive. It's alive, and you will not find any book in your life that's ever like this. So if I can encourage you today, is one thing, do not, if you have already, detract yourself from the promises, but don't detract yourself from the Word of God. It's so important. Psalm 119, the Psalmist says this, he says, I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways and I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. The psalmist knew, he knew what it was. He describes this book as great riches. So many of us have got that many different versions sat by you know, we've got them sat on the bookshelf. We don't know which to read. They're getting dusty. We do not perceive this as a rich thing in our, in our hands. We don't perceive it as treasure. And I want to encourage you today. Go home. Realize what you've got in your, in your house is the most valuable thing. You see, no people, no thieves around the world are going around stealing these. They're all stealing the things that they think are value. But what you have in your hand and your house is the most valuable thing ever. Remember it. The psalmist says he rejoices in it like it's great riches. If you're saying today, well, it just looks like an old book to me. I want to tell you, get into the word. If you don't know about Jesus, you don't know about the plans and promises he has for you, get into his word and you find out. He says, I'll not neglect your word. I want to encourage you to don't neglect the word. Don't neglect what God has for you in your life. Don't neglect the things that He said to you just because you want to enjoy life without this. Jesus said that man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Hallelujah. You see, when he was in the desert, tempted by Satan, Satan wanted to tempt him with all the things that he could have, the food. and But he says, you know what? It's the word of God that sustains me. It's the very word of God that sustains me. And I've seen the Jesus saw the value of the word, didn't he? Without this, you won't see the plans. If you dismiss this and you neglect the word of God in your life, and your daily reading, and that's not just every day with Jesus. It's not just reading, and sometimes some people think this, they think, it's almost like they, they they go back to reading the word of today, and I'm not neglecting these things, they go back to these things, and every day with Jesus, that's my reading for the day. What someone said as a thought for the day. And I want to encourage you today, pick it up again, and start to say to God before you open it, say, Lord, just show me today. Show me, and don't, and some of us get into the whole lucky dip thing. Lord, I'm going to open the Bible and point to something that you'll show me. But I want to encourage you to do this. We can't get too spiritual sometimes. Say, no, I'm going to study the book of Romans. I'm going to study this. And I'm going to see if it's alive, it will speak to me. Okay? Every single book in the Bible has got something to say to you. But if you dismiss it and neglect it, you will not see the plans in the future. So many of us want to rush by and not do this. I don't know about you, but me and Emma, we used to go. We don't do it so much now, but many years ago we had a little Peugeot 106. It was a little green car. Um, I'm not going to tell you what it was called. We had a little name. Everyone has a name for their car. And we had this little Peugeot 106. And we used to love going to Ikea. We used to love joining the crews of people going to Ikea. And you'd look around at the, at the Ikea store. You'd spend a whole day there. With your pencil saying, oh, I'll have one of these. And you'd walk into this, like, living room and think, that's a nice cabinet. I'll, we'll put that down. And you'd go through the whole process. And we'd tick all these boxes. And then it come to the end. We put it all through the till and we realize that how on earth are we gonna get all this stuff in the back of a Peugeot 106? It's just not practical. But we saw the, we saw the, the, the dream, the plan of what we wanted. We, we saw it all built and ready and done. And we said, and then you have this fun of stood in the car park of Ikea, watching people trying to push things into the back of the cars, and they can't fit things in, and there's long blinds that they could have easily just measured, but they're nearly taking their windscreen out. Well, we did it, we went to, it was, people always ask us, they say, what did you do on the Millennium Night? You know, the, the night of the, the greatest time when they thought computers were going to shut down, year 2000, and on Millennium Night, I'll tell you what me and Emma did. We, wrote, we drove from Ikea in Leeds on the M1 back down to Cambridge with a futon from Ikea in the back. And I set it up while the clock was going in the house. That's what I was doing. on I always remember on, on the millennium, everyone says they were out partying. I was building a futon that I'd brought down in a car from Leeds in a Peugeot 106. In fact, the seats in the front were so far forward, we were nearly resting on the dashboard. It's amazing what you can fit in these cars, you know. But you know, when we put it together, and you put these things together, you see it in the shops, and you see everything. And you put these things together, and we bought some stuff from Ikea many years ago, and we got back, and Emma's not so practical sometimes, and she, in certain things. And I said, well, she said, can I put the drawers together for your office desk? She says, yeah, feel free. So I let Emma do this. And um, I came and looked at it a little bit later to analyse the work that had gone on. Just to see how she got on. And I looked at what she put and she would put all my drawers all upside down so none of them shut. But unfortunately she glued them. So now if we tried to detach them, it broke all the, you know, the wood's really fibrous. So my drawers were just ruined. I said, why are they like that? Why didn't you put it the right way around? She said, I didn't read the instructions, I just assumed. So many of us today have got plans. You've walked round the living room, you've walked round the living rooms in IKEA, you've walked round all these places where you see it looks beautiful and prophets have spoken over you. You've read the word and you've got the plans in your heart. You've seen these good things, what God's got in store for you, but you've dismissed the instructions and the main key ingredients. You take out the word, and you might end up with some drawers that are stuck the wrong way round. I want to encourage you today, don't dismiss the word. There's vital things that Joshua said because it's alive and active. Amen? In Romans 15.4, Paul expresses the importance of the word. He says, for everything that was written in the past. He's talking about the old-fashioned word, as you might call it. He says, for everything that was written in the past was written to teach us. So that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and encouragement they might they provide, we might have hope. Okay, we might have hope. So many of us in Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, he says, "I want to give you a hope and a future." One of the things we're all anchoring on is hope. What's my hope for the future? Well, it says this. He says, "If you look at these things, the teachings of the past." The scriptures, they'll encourage encourage you and provide you with hope for the future. Amen? As I said earlier in Hebrews 4.12, it says, For the word of God is active, alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. And it judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. There it is. If you want to know how alive it is, read that. In Hebrews 4. Finally today I want to say this. Number three. We need to be aligned to God's position. We need to be aligned to God's position. Jeremiah 23 verse 7 said this. Do not associate with these nations that remain among you. Do not invoke the names of their gods or swear by them. You must not serve them or bow down to them, but you are to hold fast to the Lord, your God, as you have until now. In other words, he says, Joshua says to them, I know you see me as a leader. I'm telling you I'm about to die, but do you realize up until now you've been holding on fast to God as well? And I want to encourage you, if there's anything more important, and we know the word's important, we need to make sure we stick and cling to God. All the way through our lives. Clinging on to him. Sticking right next to him. His position never changes. He's the same yesterday, today and forever. Things in this life shift and move and change. People die. Just like Joshua. But God lives forever. His position is it's it's not something that will ever change. It's the same as the day that he made creation. Until now, his position has never changed. Some people talk about the degrees of power of God. He is power, he is the I am, he is everything. He is who he is. He can't have more power, he is. He's love, he's power. His position never changes. Who better to cling to than Him? Who better to cling to today? There's no one, not even the dearest person, should I say it. The person that you love so much, they're going to die one day. They're not going to live forever, but He remains the same. And I know today that my Redeemer lives. I know today that my Savior was risen from the dead. I know today that He's eternal. I know today that He... Has a plan for me. Hold fast to him. Hold fast to the Lord your God, said Joshua. Guys, he said, Listen, I'm about to go. You're now gonna see the frailty of man. But listen, get this, hold fast. Don't let go, cling on. How many of you know when you're on a roller coaster? You know when you've got to hold on tight. We've been on some before and I, I feel like these things are gonna kill us rather than thrill us. I'll never forget going to Blackpool many years ago on the big thing and I, and I love these things, but we got up and it, the noises that were coming from this thing, I thought, is this thing gonna fly off the rails? Because this sounds so dangerous. And you're clinging on for dear life. Life's like that for you sometimes. There's a lot of rickety noises going on. There's a lot of things that, that sound unstable. But God sent to you today, listen, hang on tight. Stick with me, don't trust in man. Don't trust in mere mortals in flesh and muscle, but trust in me. When you hit the bottom, there's so many of us today, we hit the bottom, we've hit the rock bottom, and now it feels like you haven't even got the strength to reach out and grab him. You haven't got the strength to hold on tight anymore. I'll tell you this, God will never let you lose strength to hold on to him. He will never let you lose the strength to hold on to Him. Even if it's the last little finger that you've got. He'll never let you not have strength to cling on. And so many of us today, we're right at rock bottom, some of us, and we feel like we cannot even cling on to Him anymore. And I want to tell you today that you will never lose that opportunity to do that. You'll never lose the opportunity to cling on to God. Again. Joshua said, if you don't do these things, guys, if you don't do these things, you're not going to see the full promise. And the enemy who comes to seek, kill, and destroy, the enemy will come to say to you, listen, it's difficult this, isn't it, trusting in God? Why don't you just why don't you just release? Why don't you just take your hand off? Don't cling on to God. Trust in your own ability because you know the best. If you go right back to right back to the very beginning, the Garden of Eden, the enemy, all he wants to do is make people independent of God. So they don't cling on to him. That's all his, his ambition in life. You say, oh, I don't know if there's a, an enemy. His ambition in life is to make you not cling on to God. To trust in your own abilities. Well let me tell you this, you're not going to live forever. What you're going to do... On that day when you have to leave this earth. You can't cling on. I'm glad I cling on. We heard some great stories yesterday. Of resurrections from the dead. And I loved it when I heard these stories. And I heard the fact. When he said that this person. He saw Jesus. And I'm glad that the day that I shut my eyes. And it all just ends. Whatever it is. That there will be someone who takes my hand. And takes me straight into the place. My future and destiny in heaven with him. I'm glad I already know him now. We're just getting a taste of what's to come. The enemy is longing for you to lose your grip, to let go because he gets too much and to give in. David wrote this in Psalm 63 verse 6 to 8. He said this, On my bed I remember you. I think of you through the watches of the night. Speaking of God, he said, because you are my help, I sing in the shadow of your wings. And he said, verse 8, I cling to you. Your right hand upholds me. Hallelujah. Don't be tempted. Just as Joshua said, he said, the things that you'll find is this, that these people who are among you, who you also might need to break off some alliances with, he said, They've got some gods with them as well. They've got some other things that you can bow down to. They've got some other things that you could get involved in. And you might be saying today, well I'm not involved in any of the religion. I'm coming to church. I come here and I follow Jesus. But I'm telling you, out there today, gods are getting more complex than they ever have been. Back then you'd see gods in, you'd spot them from a mile off. But today there's a lot of gods out there that you can follow that you don't believe you're even following. See, if you don't follow Jesus and you don't follow God, the Bible says that there's only one thing left. You follow the prince of the power of the air. And that's Satan. The one who is is blinding the minds of unbelievers. That's all that's left to follow. And it comes through so many avenues and we see out there today that our young children are looking at. There's so much out there that detracts us. And Joshua says this, he says, don't get distracted by these things. Don't bow down to anything else. Don't give in to other things that are sensualities, things that will take you away from this. Stick to God. Cling to him. And cling to him even if it's your life depends on it. Hebrews six nineteen to 20, he says this. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul firm and secure, it enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where our forerunner Jesus has entered on our behalf. In other words, the Bible tells us this, that we have an anchor for our soul. Do you have that anchor this morning? Do you have the anchor for your soul that clings on to him? I know I have. When I chose Jesus and I accept Jesus into my heart, All of a sudden, he gives me an anchor that just locks me in and says, I'm not gonna let you go. And I wanna say today, you can have an anchor for your soul. You can have an anchor for your soul, the way you cling on to him and you don't trust in anything else that this world has to offer. I wanna ask you this question, just, it hurt me recently when, to keep seeing on the news the, these beheadings and things that's been happening all over the world. With the ISIS group. And I was struck by the fact, and I thought, this is nothing new because Stephen, one of the first, one of the martyrs, when he was stoned, he knew what it was, didn't he, to lose his life. And what gets me is this every time I think of it, I think Stephen knew what it was to have an anchor. He knew it. He was prepared to to let them stone him, tell them the truth, let them stone him and kill him. Not because he he just thought it was a fantasy. Not because he thought that the book that he, he could have in his life, the future and destiny that God had for him. He knew that the book was an anchor. He knew everything God had for him was an anchor for his soul. And I want to tell you today that those people, those ones who are losing their lives at the other side of the world today, for them to give, surrender themselves and not turn to another God or a religion, They have to be knowing inside their heart that they've got an anchor. They have to know that there's an anchor. You tell me, if there was no anchor, they would turn around and say, I'll follow your God then. They give in like that. There's got to be an anchor. And I'm telling you, if you don't believe in God, you look at those who are losing their lives. And it's because in their spirit, they've found the anchor. They've found Jesus. And I want to tell you today, there is an anchor for your soul. Maybe you feel today like you've walked away from his plans. You're trusting in other people. You're trusting in people, mere men and women, to take you through. Maybe you're looking at other things and you're reading other things and you're not reading the word of God. So you're not going to get into the full promise. Or maybe you're not even clinging on to him anymore, because you've just left you just let go of the grip and you've just said, Do you know what? I can't hang on anymore, it's too tiring. And I want to encourage you today that God, I really believe, is saying to you today that some people need to redefine their alliances and get rid of some of alliances as well. Thank you for listening, and we trust that the Word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church, or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www